0: Welcome to the On The Whistle Podcast. My name is Alistair Howarth, Associate Producer and host of our new Africa Cup of Nations Daily Digest, where we will bring you all the news, analysis, and stories from Cameroon over the next month. If you want to keep up with our Daily Digest over the course of the month, hit us up on our social media platforms. That's OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and On The Whistle Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube. To kick off our Daily Digest content, we've put together a series of preview podcasts where we talk to players, coaches, administrators, and experts about every country participating in this year's AFCON. First up, we're looking at Group B. Senegal headlines the group alongside Guinea and our two countries representing Southern Africa, Zimbabwe and Malawi. To hear about Senegal and the mood of the country heading into the AFCON, I spoke to journalist Babacar Diara.
1: So Senegalese people are really confident about their their players, their team. They they think they have, if not the best one uh, of the best uh, squad in the tournament, Uh, the only one maybe they are scared of is Algeria, of course, because uh, they didn't um, lose any uh, player, I mean, one of the key players from from the last uh, afghan and uh, they have obviously the uh, invincibility uh, since uh, since the afghan and even before since, since 2019 so maybe that's the only team that they feel is a bit better than uh, the Lyon lateranga but um, the expectations are really high in uh, in senegal uh, the pressure will be really high too uh, they have to finally they have to finally um, wait before leaving the, the country and uh, go to to Cameroon and that means they are really uh, gonna feel that pressure longer than expected. Uh, obviously the, the key players are not back we can talk about that maybe later because of uh, the statement from from FIFA. So maybe as a build up to the competition is a bit different than it should be because all the squad is not gathered mm-hmm. at the same time. And that might be a, a problem when it comes to um, the, the, the first games, the first games, actually, because one of the players who should start Ismail Asa, might not start the competition. Karidu Kurivali, who is the main uh, defender is the captain actually might not also start the competition so that, those issues are maybe the the points that um, could uh, give give uh, headaches to the head coach at you mm-hmm.
0: absolutely I I just wanted to talk about luCC you know he's he's now been in Senegal for you know almost you know se- almost seven years now I um, mean and you know, he's had so many near misses, you know, in 2017, you, obviously, you lost to, to Cameroon on penalties who went on to win the tournament. You know, 2018 had that, you know, heartbreaking and ridiculous, you know, way of being knocked out of the World Cup from, from the kind of fair play rule. Um, <laughs> and then 2019, you got to the final and, you know, we're so unbelievably close. You know, what is, what is the feeling in the country around around say Is There's still a lot of support for him? And do the Senegalese people feel like he's, you know, still doing a very good job? Uh,
1: actually, they don't think he's doing a, a great job. If you're talking in general, if you go to a, to a stadium uh, during a, a day, a game day of Senegal, people are talking about the, the quality of play from the team. And they are not satisfied because they don't see an evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel like uh, the, the coach is not taking a lot of risk, he's uh, really careful about the way they play. And uh, the supporters would like uh, to see more more goals. Um, more, I mean, the quality of play is not the point that they are really uh, satisfied of. But obviously, the results are here. The, the people in charge of the federation are really happy about uh, UCC uh, but the only thing missing for him is um, the, the, the um, cup and uh, he has to win the, the tournament because after that if he doesn't uh, well people will question his uh, responsibility and uh, he might not be the head coach for the World Cup
0: mm, that's, very, that's very interesting I mean yeah, looking, looking back to, to the 2019 final, I mean, you said, you know, the, the threat is Algeria. You know, they're, they're still, they're the favorites for this one. You know, like you said, they've gone from strength to strength. They've, they've been undefeated for, you know, 32, 33 matches. You know, looking at the, at the Senegalese squad, I think from the final, there's, you know, only six players who started that match are still a part of the squad for, for this, you know, for one reason or another, if you've missed out. Um, Do you feel like the team is in a stronger position uh, than in 2019? Or has it, you know, perhaps gone back a bit?
1: Uh, Well, they found some players that were really needed. I'm talking about, for example, the left-back and uh, right-back positions were quite an issue Mm -hmm. in Egypt. Um, So they found some players who are, uh, I mean, they are among the, the best teams in Europe, when you talk about Bunasa from uh, Bayern Munich in, in Germany, when you talk about Fode Baloture who is um, playing with AC Milan, or Abdou Diallo, who is not playing as a as a left back, but he can, he, He's is playing for Piaget, uh, and uh, in in Senegal at the centre back, but uh, his main I mean, his first position uh, would it would be a uh, left back if uh, it wasn't needed uh, with uh, the uh, La Peranga. So that's uh, a good point. But the issue when I talk about Bunasa and for the Baruto-E, they are not starters in their in their teams, and Bunasa has not played a lot this season with with Bayern. So people feel like, yeah, we we got some players who are. Kind of big names, but they are not. They are not sure. People in general that these players will be ready for a huge tournament like Afghan and do they have enough uh, minutes uh, in their legs to play that one? Nobody is sure about that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the the Senegalese team, like I said earlier, it's unbelievable. You know, you have probably the best. You know, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and Edward Mendy, and. Alfred Gomez and Sunny Dieng are, are, are really impressed with themselves. And then, yeah, that incredible defense, you know, a very functional and solid midfield, uh, you know, especially, you know, Drisogana Gay and, and Palace Mendy, Papage, you know. Uh, but I think for me, the big question is you've got these incredible talents. And if Saar, Ismaila Saar starts alongside Mane and, you know, the likes of Keita Balde, you have some incredible talent there. But for me, the big question is up front. So, you know, last last AFCON, we had in you know, this time, who is the guy who is going to step up and play up front for Senegal? Who's been playing there for the World Cup qualifiers, and who do you think is the best fit?
1: Uh, the guys I um, really uh, stole the show during the last games was Famara Dieju, the former player of uh, Bristol. He, he 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 scored a hat trick recently. He he's really uh, consistent. He, he has the confidence right now. Then you have. The one who didn't uh, take his chance, but he, we we thought he would be the, the number one uh, up front. It's uh, Bulaidia from uh, Villarreal, but uh, I saw a couple of games recently. Uh, either with the selection, with the national team, and with um, with Villarreal, and he doesn't score basically. <laughs> so uh, that's not uh, going well for him ahead of the tournament i'm not sure he will start honestly but uh let's see what happens then we have the, the kind of joke the joker i mean the guy who came in last minute bamba from marseille he doesn't score a lot but he he came from nowhere he scored the uh, um a Two goals, yeah, um, uh, brace uh, against Monaco in September, and since that day, uh, people wanted to to see him with the national team. He played a couple of games. he still doesn't. Um, he has yet to score with uh, with Senegal, but he's in the team. Uh, he's young. He runs very really fast, and uh, people want to see him play because he. I mean, he doesn't have any. Uh, pressure is coming out of nowhere again, as I said earlier. So he, he can, he, he will be maybe uh, the the newcomer who will explode with, uh, during the tournament.
0: Mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about the kind of disruptive preparation. You know, like like most countries coming into the Afcon, you know, people have been really disrupted by COVID, but especially Senegal been impacted by the kind of FIFA ruling that players didn't have to join up. You know, so some. Coming from, and you know, the Premier League won't even be able to join up until you know, less than a week until the competition starts. And you mentioned, you know, Ismail Asar's fitness and Kalibu uh, Koulibaly. Koulibaly. Um, I, you know, h- how much has this impacted the preparation for Senegal? And do you think this is gonna, you know, really impact the squad's performances at the AFCON? Uh,
1: well, the, the warm preparation uh, changed because. Uh, the plan was to to leave on the 31st of December to, to Rwanda to play a game, a friendly game there against the local national team. And uh, then go maybe uh, four, no, let's say six days before uh, the tournament to um, uh, Bafusam where they will all play all their, their group face game. Mm-hmm. Well, they won't. Play a, a friendly game against the national team, so obviously it's a it's a huge difference when it comes to to the preparation and uh, when you don't gather for for two weeks, uh, it's obviously not the same for uh, to the to the build for the build up to to the competition. To have, um, I mean, they know each other, but uh, when it comes to play, as I said earlier. Uh, they don't have this quality of play. Maybe also because when they prepare for the World Cup qualifiers, they have a short time. So uh, they don't uh, train um, enough together. And that was uh, an occasion to to do that, but they won't. So maybe the whole um, group phase will be the preparation Mm -hmm. for Senegal. And uh, they don't have to obviously, lose the first game against uh, Malawi, which is obviously the easiest one. And uh, that, will, that will give them time to prepare for uh, the main part of the competition where we are waiting for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, the, the group that you're in, Zimbabwe, Guinea and Malawi, you know, both Guinea and Zimbabwe are, you know, struggling at the moment. And Malawi, you know, obviously they've done brilliantly to qualify, but they're a really small team. So, you know, Senegal have been perhaps quite, quite, you know, blessed in that they have time to play some of these games, you know, alongside the fact that the format, you know, even if you come third, you can still potentially qualify, you know, you can use these games to really, like you said, prepare, you know, for the big matches to come. I, I just wanted to finally ask you about how, you know, you've talked about the, the mood in the country, when you look at the team, you know, their form over the last couple of years, their preparation how confident are you that Senegal can do one better than last time and actually go and, and win this year's Afcon?
1: Uh, I think uh, honestly, it will it will depend on the way um, they uh, uh, they think of details. The Leaders are, are behaving during the, the tournament. They they have the the quality, but uh, they are not. Uh, leading by example, like Algeria is doing, they are maybe uh, too much um, overwhelmed by the the pressure of uh, big games where they are facing uh, nations like uh, Cameroon, like Algeria, or Morocco. They played um, a friendly game, I think it was, uh, I mean, in the last two two years uh, against Morocco. And you could see that they are not ready when it comes to big teams with players that are a huge name, like Hakimi, for example, who is uh, obviously pay, playing for great clubs in Europe. They don't behave the same. They they lose they lose sorry um, a bit uh, their um, quality and also they are more careful. They are not playing like they they are with Liverpool or Chelsea and clubs like that. So they will have just to, to um, think that they are the best to come with that right mentality. mentality, And if they do that, it will change everything. But if they don't, uh, it will be the same as usual, they will feel, feel like um, underdogs uh, coming to the game and they will lose.
0: From a nation flying high to one in political turmoil. To hear about Zimbabwe's administration problems and the dissolving of the Zimbabwe FA just a few weeks before the tournament, I spoke to journalist Stanley Kwenda.
2: I think it was uh, something that didn't come as a surprise to those of us who have been following the politics of Zimbabwean football. Um, for a long time, there have been accusations. Uh, directed at the Zimbabwe Football Association. Uh, a lot of critics accusing them of mismanaging the game in Zimbabwe. They, there's been issues, uh, particularly around the management of uh, the national teams, not just the men's senior national football team, but also the women's team, the junior teams. Uh, in terms of the junior teams, we have missed quite a uh, couple of... Uh, important international tournaments where we would be expected to be participating in, chiefly because of uh, what Zifa says a lack of funds. It has been the same situation with the Zimbabwe women's national team, uh, where sometimes they have had to uh, mount um, uh, campaigns uh, to try and raise money to get the girls to go and play. Uh, at international tournaments, when we have a football association that, that is expected to be doing that particular job. Uh, with respect to the national team, it has been um, the same uh, situation. I'll take you back to the last Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt. Our players spent most of their time in Egypt huggling over uh, the payment of allowances. Uh, At one point, they refused to put a plan to go to uh, the finals in Egypt because they were owed uh, a lot of money from previous camps. But out of the sense of national duty, they packed their bags and went to Egypt. But when they got to Egypt, they got there with a promise that some of these issues were going to be uh, addressed during the tournament. Nothing was done at that particular time. And they ended up playing uh, purely out of uh, the patriotic favor that they have for their country. So it's a culmination of what has been a buildup of issues um, with our national team. But the biggest problem we have, there is now an increasing sense that um, the people who are running football in Zimbabwe have no uh, interest in the game itself. Perhaps they do have other interests in in, in football um i i i, I can only speculate um, uh, what those reasons could be but for those of us who love the game and follow the game you could you can tell that uh, the way the game is managed uh, it's something that the government thought perhaps they had to intervene a- at some point and the intervention was done by the Uh, Sports and Recreation Commission, which is a governing body in Zimbabwe, whose mandate is to ensure that uh, sport is managed uh, professionally and uh, from an accountability point of view. So it is some of these issues that they have found to be missing uh, that they've decided to uh, suspend the ZIFA board. Chief among them is the um, lack of accountability in how money is are used at ZIFA because oftentimes when the national team doesn't have, when there is no money for the national team to travel, for example, or to pay uh, the boys uh, their allowances, it is the Sports and Recreation Commission which often finds itself having to intervene and uh, also uh, go with the the begging bowel to the central government to get the national team the requisite funds for them to uh, fulfill uh, their duties for the nation so it it, it, i would want to think it is a combination of all these issues and as i'm speaking to you that issue has not yet been resolved Um, the cifa board has been threatening to take the government to court they've also been weighing heavily on uh, the FIFA statutes. Obviously, you know FIFA is quite averse to government interference, but the decision by the government has been getting a lot of support uh, from the football fraternity in Zimbabwe. They think the government is probably doing the right thing. And when you look at the recent games we played, we do, did qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations, but we we did qualify out of sheer luck. If you look at our statistics, Mm-hmm. We, uh, 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 I'm pretty sure we won one game and drew uh, a couple and lost. I don't have the, the correct statistics right now, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a stellar campaign. We were just lucky that the other teams did manage to cross each other out, mm-hmm. that we managed to make our way to to Cameroon. And if I'm to predict Uh, Next month, at the Africa Cup of Nations, if we do manage to go, funds permitting, we will simply be there to make up the numbers. Because at the moment, there isn't any uh, timetable for when the players are going to be in camp. Uh, There isn't any preparation. What they are talking about now is uh, fundraising Mm -hmm. for the national team. And just this morning or yesterday morning, the Sports and Recreation Commission... um, took it upon itself to announce uh, an $800,000 budget that is going to look after the Warriors when they go to to Cameroon for the Africa Cup of Nations. At the same time, Zifa is also telling people not to listen to the SRC because they are insisting that they they still remain in in charge of the uh, national game. So it's a very confusing situation. And this is happening just a week's away from the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon, which in itself is a recipe for disaster.
0: Absolutely, and, and we've seen recently the news as well as certain players have, have kind of pulled out of the tournament. We've seen Tandai Derikwa pull out and we've also seen Kamabiliat, who's obviously been you know, a superstar for Zimbabwe over the course of his career. Um, He's now announced his retirement uh, kind of after the last game um, of the World Cup qualifiers in November. Do you think that this kind of chaos that's happening behind the scenes has impacted these kind of decisions of of these players to actually not participate in the tournament?
2: Most definitely, it is um, a big part of why. Because uh, if you look at uh, players like Tendai Darikwa, uh, Brandon Galloway, the likes of Marvellous Nakamba, Knowledge Msona, Kama Billiard, the nucleus of this uh, Zimbabwe national team. To come and play for their national team is a huge sacrifice. It's not like they 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 want the uh, to play for the national team in order for the national team to uh, kind of uh, put them on a pedestal where they can be seen by scouts. They don't need that at this particular moment of their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's sheer uh, sacrifice uh, that they have to come and play for their national team. Previously, they would come to play for the national team and there's no accommodation. They will have to rely on the benevolence of a church pastor to accommodate them at his own church lodgings. Mm-hmm. This is what has been happening with the Zimbabwe national team in the past. Of course, uh, to be fair to Zifa, things have uh, somewhat improved in recent uh, months, they, they, they've had decent lodgings in Harare um, when they are traveling with uh, in Zimbabwe during camp they have to use a borrowed bus from a local club. Um, it, it, it's just a mess and when they are going for training they are su- 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 susceptible to uh, getting injuries because they have to play in a kind of potato fields. Uh, Grounds that are not tendered properly for you know, professional players of their stature. People like Marvelous Nakamba, who plays in the Premier League, uh, the likes of Knowledge Musona, even Kama Billiard. They are used to a certain level of professionalism, but when they go back home, uh, they don't get this sort of professionalism uh, that they do get at their clubs. And it's something that I think most of them were worrying because if you go and play on a potato pitch, It's very easy to to get an injury.
0: Mm.
2: It's very, very easy to get an injury. Sometimes it's difficult to get uh, basic supplies such as drinking water during training. So I think there are a whole lot of things that has been wrong with the structure of uh, particularly the national team that has made some of these players to um, turn their backs on the national team and perhaps thinking of concentrating on uh, their club career. So that, that, that is perhaps, those are perhaps the chief reasons. And at the moment, these players are blamed for failing to qualify, for example, for the World Cup. But for some of us who knows what will be happening behind the scenes, we do understand. Because if you don't prepare for matches, you are preparing for defeat. And that's exactly what has been happening with the national team. But when fans look at it, they will simply criticize the players, not knowing what has been happening behind the scenes. But I'm glad that increasingly, even the fans are now starting to pick up the vibes, understand what is happening behind the scenes and uh, really putting the blame where it should be
0: absolutely i i mean i'm looking looking at your group you know you have you know senegal who are you know finalists last time at the afcon one of the strongest teams in africa you know they're, they're you know shoo-in to, to make it at least to the semi-finals mm-hmm. but you know beyond that you have a guinea side that while they have a very good team they've really struggled in in 2021 they've you know they've also recently fired their manager dda6 and brought in a new, uh, a new one diawara um, and and even the similar story with malawi you know did really well to qualify but have like yourselves, have struggled in, in 2021. Um, do, do you think that, that this time around Zimbabwe can, you know, get get through to the knockout stages, particularly as, you know, oftentimes a third place team can qualify? Um, you know, you play Senegal first, but once you've done that, if you can get, you know, positive results against Guinea and, and Malawi, you can you can get through. Are you hopeful for that? Or is it at this point, you know, we've qualified, the guys are going to do their best, but, you know, there's there's been too much chaos and you know we're going to have to write this this afcon off
2: when we completed our world cup qualifiers uh, the the previous two three games uh we knew uh, what we had to do because we 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 had no chance what we had to do was to build a team for the africa cup of nations finals mm-hmm. now with the retirement of um kama billiard with uh, the uh, Tendai Dariko excusing himself, with the injury to Marvellous Nakamba,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and with also Knowledge Musona, who is also very susceptible to injuries, I don't see any chance in this particular group. Yes, you Senegal, we, hands down, we will be beaten by Senegal. They are favorites for, for this tournament. And mm-hmm. they, they, even on and off the field, we, we can't match them. Guinea, they might have their own problems, <coughs> excuse me, but um, one of the things that you have to give them, they do have people who love and know football at mm-hmm. the helm of their football. They, they do have stellar players Yes, the campaign might not have been encouraging, but they know how to uh, prepare for these tournaments. If you look at their past records, mm-hmm. they know how to prepare for these tournaments. Malawi, yes, we have a chance of maybe getting a point or beating Malawi, but uh, I think they will go into this tournament better prepared than us. Mm-hmm. So that leaves us as the possible weeping boys of this group. Not for lack of talent, but merely because of the disorganisation that is uh, in our camp right now. I, 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 as I said earlier on, we don't even know the timetable for the preparations. But for the other countries, they now know—you yeah. uh, know—they're going to have uh, pre-tournament friendly matches. They—they they, they have everything set. They know where their teams are going to be staying. They know where they're going to be training. Uh, For us at the moment, we don't have that timetable. We don't have those preparations laid out properly to give our uh, our boys a chance to to fight for something in in Cameroon. But as they always say in football, you can't really rule out um, a team. Uh, Anything can happen on the field of play. I know our warriors are brave. Uh, For the sake of the nation, they will fight and give uh, it all for the national team. And I know there might be a change of heart uh, with the likes of Dariko. I know there are talks that are happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know with Marvellous Nakamba, they're saying uh, conflicting reports that he might be out until the end of the season. Some are saying he might be out until Christmas. I spoke to him yesterday, he he didn't uh, give any indication. Uh, He's just leaving everything to the medical teams. But one thing I know, if he manages to shrug off this particular knee injury, he will definitely want to represent Zimbabwe at the Africa Cup. So if we do have Nakamba back, uh, if we manage to convince uh, Nariko to come back if we manage to have um, uh, Tinoka Deweiro place for Leon, um, if we manage to sort our house, uh, put it into order uh, at least uh, two three weeks before the tournament, then I may, I think maybe we might stand a chance. But the biggest problem we have at the moment is also the situation with the national team coach. We have a coach who is working uh, part time, basically because. He is contracted, still contracted to his club, FC Platinum. Nomen Mapeza, our former national team player, mm-hmm. who once played his trade in, at Galatasaray in Turkey. A very shrewd uh, coach, uh, still coming up, still learning, but uh, he, he has the tools to be able to motivate the boys to perhaps try and get something out of this tournament but that coaching situation uh, is definitely a headache for the national team. We don't know if he is the one who is going to take the national team to the Africa Cup of Nations. I for one would recommend that he complete the assignment by taking the team to the national, uh, to the Africa Cup of Nations maybe after the tournament, where Zifa can then decide what they want to do for the future. But for now, because he knows the players, he knows the, the Zimbabwean football terrain, He he has been to the Africa Cup of Nations. He has been to you know managed FC Platinum in the African Champions League. So he understands the African game very well. So yeah, that 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 those are some of the things that are going to perhaps work against us.
0: A talented group of players for sure, but can the Warriors do it in Cameroon? If they want to get past the group stage, they'll have to come up against a Guinea side that have been struggling of late. And just taken the decision just on the verge of the tournament to sack their coach to six i talked to tano giallo and asked him why
3: yeah the the, the fans all the country people were very unhappy about their performances. the performances the poor performances of, of the national team when they started the world cup qualifiers they they drew uh, against guinea bissau and they they lost uh, against Morocco, so people were very very unhappy. And you know, uh, in the the past months, Guinea is not playing good football. You know, we have some good players, but if you look at the team, there is no structure, there is nothing. So people people are unhappy about that. And to them, they said, if we go to the Afcon with this guy, we we don't expect much for, uh, from him. Because he has been here now for more than one year, he is coming to his second year, mm-hmm. but nothing is happening we We don't see nothing happening in this national team. and people say we have some good players that we don't have big players, very, very big players, but we have we do have some good players. and why this man is not succeeding to to put something success successful on the pitch so because of that, they said, no, we, th- this man should go. He should go, and we, we have to look for, for a new coach to take this
0: team to the Afcon. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, speaking of the team, you know, I've, looking at the squad, there seems to be a real variety because you have, you know, an incredibly strong midfield uh, in terms of the options? You know, obviously the famous one is Nabiketa, but you know, the likes of Amadou Diawara, you know, Madi Camera, Morlea Sila, you know, based in, in Guinea. Like, why why do you think it hasn't worked out even though there seems to be quite a strong team kind of in the Guinea side?
3: You know, that was the question we we were asking to DJ6. He mm-hmm. couldn't play uh, those players together. Mm. He didn't succeed to play them together. When, when you saw Amadou Jawara, Madi Kamara, Nabi Keita uh, on the pitch, it was just like random players. They, they couldn't do nothing. They couldn't change nothing in a game. So mm-hmm. that was the big question. Why why this, these coach uh, can't play those players together? So we, we couldn't understand that. So that was one of the issues. That was, what the, what was the, one of the issues. They said no. Because he's not doing this, and in Africa, if you look at other teams, there are not too many, many teams that have those kind of players in that their, in their team. But they're, they're, they're doing well uh, compared to Guinea. They're, they're doing well. But why the, those three players, you can't play them together? It, mm-hmm. it didn't work. It didn't work out.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he, so I, I saw the, the FA has appointed Kaba Diwara to be the head coach, obviously former, former Arsenal player. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have any experience of managing a, a first team. He was, you know, Dier Six's assistant. What are the, the expectations on him? Cause obviously he's come in. He, he, I think he managed the last two games in the qualifiers and now he'll go into the AFCON as the head coach. And to
3: me, it's a it's a big gamble, actually, you know, uh, you are going to the AFCON. This is one of this is the biggest uh, competition in Africa. So he's taking a team to the AFCON without no no experience. He has been has been uh, working with DDA6 for the past uh, two years. And has been there before but not at that position so it's a it's a big gamble but the thing is uh here ha- people the expectations they are not high you know mm-hmm. that's that's good for him because people are not expecting much uh from him for through them he's going to play uh, the knockout he's going to play three games and then after that he, he, Guinea is maybe, maybe he can, he can qualify for the knockout phase, but people are not expecting much from him. So Mm -hmm. he has no, uh, really no pressure on on his shoulders. But for him, uh, for him, it's a huge opportunity because if he goes there and he does well, then maybe they, because now, uh, uh, for now, he just signed for three months. So mm-hmm. just a- after the AFCON, uh, they, will, they, will, they will sit with him and see whether they can give him the job or not. So, so if he does well, uh, the AFCON, he might get a job. So for him, it's a big, it's a huge opportunity. So, but he's going there, no pressure on his soldiers.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah, that, that, I mean, yeah, it's a clean, clean slate for him, I guess, and, and a good situation. But also, yeah, an unbelievable amount of pressure for your first ever kind of yes. full time kind of top job. Uh, that, that's incredible. Um, I mean, just looking at looking at the group that you guys are in, you know, you're with obviously Senegal, who are going to be, you know, one of the favorites, you know, one of the best teams in Africa. But then you have also Zimbabwe and Malawi who are, you know, lower down teams, perhaps not as, you know, as strong as some of these other ones. How, how confident are you of maybe qualify, qualifying the group or, or even challenging Senegal to top the group?
3: Well, it's, it won't be, you know, it won't be easy. When, when, they, when they did the draw for the World Cup qualifiers, we were in the same group as Guinea-Bissau, Sudan and uh, Morocco. Mm-hmm. So people say maybe we we can we can qualify there because we have two weak teams. Mm. You know, uh, talking to about Sudan and Guinea Bissau, but we we saw how it went. You know, so now you are going to the Afcon. Don't underestimate uh, Malawi. Don't underestimate Zimbabwe because Zimbabwe is not a weak team. Mm-hmm. So they can surprise you and we all know uh, senegal is the strongest team they have the best players so it won't be easy you know but if you win your your your, your first game it can give you confidence so mm. that game you must win it because if you draw or you lose then it's gone uh, in a, in a big big competition like afcon you must meet, you must win your first game that's very very important so we will see how it will uh, how they will how they will manage that game because they must win it if they don't win it then it's going to be very very difficult to qualify
0: yeah, absolutely, and and you know the Afcon is famous as a tournament for having the the smaller teams create the upsets and things. Yeah. Even even last I think last Afcon you were you were in a group with Nigeria, Burundi, Madagascar, yeah, Madagascar, yeah, and, Madagascar, yeah. And Madagascar won the group. Um, you, you see,
3: we just draw against Madagascar, <laughs> mm-hmm. so That's, from there, so from there, we we lose confidence, and the team the, the team didn't didn't do well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it's that that game against Malawi. That first one will be will be so so important for you guys to to get a strong strong result and and get going. I, I'm just in terms of the the players on the squad. You know, like like you said at the beginning, um, Guinea will be one of the teams that you know don't necessarily have many stars. Obviously, uh, not not notwithstanding Nabi Keita. Um, could you just tell us, you know, who who are some of the players that we you know fans of of the Afcon who are going to be watching? Who should they be keeping an eye out for? Uh, when the tournament comes,
3: we, we know already about uh, Nabi Keita. Uh, he the he's actually the, the star of uh, of the team, uh, playing for Liverpool. And then uh, you have we talked about uh, about Jawara uh, playing for AS Roma and Madi Kamara playing for Olympiacos. And then uh, behind those uh, three players. Uh, uh, you have one, one boy playing for Olympiacos, he's doing well uh, this year, Agibu Kamara, very good player. And then uh, behind, there is uh, uh, that defender, that boy, that young, young man playing for Saint-Étienne, uh, So, Sou, uh, doing very well with uh, Saint-Étienne. And, and then you have the, the striker, uh, Bayou. Bayo Bayo playing for Clermont Foot in the French League uh, League One is one of the best uh, top scorers of, of the league right now. He has already nine goals, so he's go- it's going to be very interesting to see how he he will will do in. Uh, in January, in, in the Afcon, because he's a good player, he's a good striker. Uh, I'm hearing stories uh, that uh, some English clubs are uh, uh, behind him. Every game, they they are there. They they are scouting him, mm-hmm. and he's a good player. So, and don't forget uh, the new player coming in the team, the boy of uh, the former player of Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, Kuruma now playing in Germany for Leipzig, so it's going to be interesting. You see, you have some good young players, and and still Kabajawara is scouting some some other players. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, last week, I think, uh, we yes, last week he met with uh, that, that striker of, uh, of Ren. Uh, what is his name again? Uh, uh Ren uh girasi
0: oh yeah, okay
3: uh-huh. so he's still scouting, he's still looking for uh for for players so it's going to be an interesting team, and then and then the question is, does he have the time to to get a team? Mm-hmm. You can have the players, but it's not easy to get a team, so we'll see they are good players, but then we'll see how we'll how if he succeed to find a team, it's going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think from, from kind of a European audience's perspective, there's been a, a lot of interesting narrative of, you know, African players deciding to play for their, you know, the countries of their their parents and representing African countries. And probably one of the most, you know, biggest ones recently was Eliash muriba uh, Koroma. Um, so is he... You know, official. He is now. He will be. Is he going to the Afcon? Because he hasn't featured yet, right? He has. Has he? hasn't played for the national no, he team. he
3: hasn't featured. Yet. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. But uh, but he's uh, not qualified. I, mm-hmm. I saw the uh, the the, qualific- the qualification letter from from FIFA recently. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, from now, he
0: can play for for Guinea. Whether or not he makes his debut at this tournament, Moriba Kuruma is for sure to be an excellent addition to the Gu- in midfield, and we can't wait to see him in action. Turning to our last team in the group, but certainly not least, the Malawi Flames are back at the AFCON. And to talk to us about the team is our good friend, Gom Zakazaka, who's already appeared on this podcast once before to talk to us about the Flames.
4: I'd say we are excited uh, that uh, the days that we have been waiting looking for this much, rather uh, to the participation at the AFCON. And now that uh, we are going there, the hype is high. And now the team has started camping. Uh, they, they, they started camping on Tuesday with the local base players, especially those that are not engaged in uh, in competitions at the moment. because we have finished the league and now we are playing a competition that is participated by only the top eight teams. So the players belonging to the teams that are not active have gone into camp, uh to, to start preparing, waiting for the main camp when other foreign base players are going to join. Uh, so the camp started on Tuesday uh, and it's going to go up to the up to the 22nd, 23rd, when we expect the contingent of foreign based players to join in. And uh, we have got a shared training camp in Saudi Arabia, where we're going to spend about three uh, weeks and we're going to fly from Saudi Arabia uh, into, into into Cameroon for, for, for our matches. So I will say, yes, we are excited. The preparations have started and we're just looking forward to Cameroon. And uh, you have also seen that there have been changes in our approach, in our philosophy, in our technical panel. So things are really geared up in as far as our participation for these editions of the african
0: Nations is concerned amazing that's that's really good to hear and really encouraging to hear going back just to the beginning of the afcon qualification you know malawi have this is their third competition they've qualified for but they haven't done it in over a decade and and it's been a, a long decade with with not much to write home about but what has been the difference in qualifying how how have the flames been able to turn it on and and, and get through into into this tournament
4: I think uh, critical was uh, uh, the consistency in team selection, Uh, having same players that have played together for a long time. Uh, I think we have uh, we have gone with that approach. I think for a long time where we do have a a generational squad, you know, a team that will play together for five to six years. Then at the end of six years, they they achieve they achieve results, and uh, uh, the subsequent years the teams fade out, and you start rebuilding again, and it takes us a lot of time. Because if you look at the squad that qualified for 2010 World Cup, it's a team that started playing together from late 2004. They were together 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, and by the time they started the qualifiers, they were at the peak of their combination, and that's why we were able to qualify for 2010 Angola. And similarly, the squad that we have now is a team that has been together since uh, uh, 2017. You know, when we uh, brought in uh, Ron van Hingen. uh he came in and uh, started assembling the new squad. Uh, bringing in new players, uh, youngsters, and they started playing together from there in 2017, 2018 as a as, a, as a co-group, and he left at the beginning of 2019, and uh, the, when Mekemase inherited the team, he did not disband the project that uh, Araviji had started yeah, three years three years before. So this is the same project that Araviji started in 2017, and we are continuing that, and it's that combination that I finally worked and produced results when we were in this group, and finally we qualified for the Afghan.
0: Mm, that's that's really good to hear building upon building upon the cycles of players that's really really important i think one thing i wanted to touch upon is since since you were last on the podcast um it's been it's been a difficult time for many of us uh, with with what's going on with covid and it's been a difficult time for for football in africa and one of the issues in in the world cup qualifying is malawi is forced to play your home games in south africa not in malawi um, and some of the results kind of have it's been a difficult campaign. You were in a really, really tough uh, World Cup qualifying group, probably the group of death with both uh, Cameroon and Ivory Coast. Um, but how how did that affect kind of performances in in the World Cup qualifiers in in preparation for the Afcon, the fact that you couldn't even play, you know you haven't played a game in Malawi since March?
4: Yeah, sure it was uh, it was so uh, 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 I think it really affected us. Uh, if you consider that uh, uh, when we play at home, we normally get the results. And if you look at our Afghan qualification, we played three games at home. Uh, we managed to, co- to collect seven points. Uh, we beat South Sudan, we beat Uganda, and uh, drew against Burkina uh, against, against Faso. We never considered a goal uh, during the last campaign. And even if you go uh, the previous campaign uh, for 2019 qualification, uh, 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 whereby we were drawn against uh, Akomoro, uh as well as, uh, as, well as uh, Morocco, uh, you would see that uh, we played uh, that qualification against Cameroon, uh, of course. We also had Cameroon for the 2019 qualification, Cameroon, Morocco and Comoro. We played all the three matches. we not conceding at home. We drew 0-0 against Cameroon and Morocco. We beat uh, Comoro and collected five points at home, mm-hmm. meaning that uh, we are strong at home. When you are playing at home, we are strong. We don't concede. Uh, the ways that we can do is a goalless draw, but we are really good at home. And it was unfortunate that for the World Cup qualifiers, we are not unable to play at home due to the quality, rather to the the condition of our our national stadiums, which were deemed unfit uh, by by FIFA as per their new guidelines on on, on facilities. So we had to opt for uh, Orlando Stadium in Johannesburg because it was convenient for us to easily assemble our squad, considering that uh, uh, the biggest contingent of our foreign based players is based in South Africa. Uh, but again, in terms of travel arrangements and uh, in terms of uh, even the cost itself of the organization aspect of a match, uh, it was easier. Uh, we collaborated well with the South Africa Football Association, as well as COSAFA, uh, which helped us to organize a match. So it was very easy to organize a match in, in South Africa than anywhere else. Uh, but as you saw, the results as they came, much as we did well in the first game at home against Mozambique, But the subsequent matches against Ivory Coast in Cameroon, we fared badly, lost by big goal margins. Uh, that shows that... Uh, uh, we lost that uh, uh, home vibe that we didn't normally utilize when we're playing in Malawi. So it really affected us much as we accept. And we had accepted from day one when the draw was done that we were in a tough group and it was going to be difficult for us to emerge to, 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 to as group winners because uh, already you had Cameroon, you had Ivory Coast, I mean, the Giants of Africa. It was already described as a group of Dave f- from the on-site. But uh, I believe that uh, we should have some, done something better if we had played those three matches at home, and we not have finished bottom of just one single win and five losses. But nonetheless, uh, we uh, accepted the reality that we are playing against giants, uh, winning against them, and going into the next phase, a bonus. But basically, it was a matter of, okay, we have these giants. It's very difficult uh, for us to secure friendly matches against these top sides, uh, normally during the FIFA uh, international windows they normally prefer to play against each other in Europe or play against top European countries or South American countries. And for us, uh, most countries in Southern Africa to secure top matches against teams like Coast, Cameroon, it's really very difficult and very expensive. Uh, So for us, it was like, uh, okay, let's get this competition as uh, a preparatory phase for the AFCON. And uh, let's use these matches to see uh, what is going to be like to face victims in Afcon? So we really have uh, benefited a lot playing against Cameroon twice, home underway. I mean, those are big matches. You never gate, uh, you rarely gate any day. Uh, playing against Ivory Coast with all the big stars, uh, the the Zahas, you know, uh, the Pepe's in there. Uh, it was really a big exposure and experience for the boys to feel what going going to mean to go in 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 Cameroon and face players like uh, like like Mario Sani from Senegal uh, the likes of uh, 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 this guy who's playing for for Aston Villa uh, Nakamba for, yep. for Zimbabwe mm-hmm. so it it was really uh, good for the boys and uh, uh, we have gained a lot from the six matches uh, during into the final phase of our preparations which is a training camp in in Saudi Arabia and there are also top nations that watched us play uh in the World Cup qualifiers fires that are interested to play against us in Saudi Arabia uh, matches have not been confirmed yet but there are three top notch uh, friendly matches against top top sides from West Africa top sides from North Africa that we are going to play against in Saudi Arabia and building on that we believe that uh, we're going to be well prepared going into our first match in Cameroon
0: Mm, yeah, and and absolutely you'll have some big games. I mean, the, the group you're in, you know, you've got Senegal last time out, they got to the final and, and are definitely one of the favorites to win it with an incredible team and, and a very, very strong Guinea side as well. Um, and and as well as the the only other Southern African team in in the competition, Zimbabwe. You've kind of got your local your local derby right there. Um, so in in that process of learning from those in those uh, that that World Cup uh, qualification campaign, one of the things that has come out is the appointment of Mario Maranitsa, the Romanian trainer, as as a technical director. Um, could you just tell us a bit about that and how you know Meke Mase, You've spoken about how important he's been to building on this AFCON side and how he's still in, he's still the head coach, but now you have a technical director over him. What is the relationship of Mario and what's what's going to be his role in the AFCON?
4: So basically, Mario came in pure as technical director. It was uh, uh, the executive committee of farm um, made a decision that uh, we have had local TDs, I think, uh, for the past uh, for the past uh, I should say 12, 13 years. But I think we have made little progress in as far as the laying foundation for developmental programs is concerned. So it was okay. Can we try something else? And the decision was made. Can we bring an expatriate? And uh, that's why the the cost was uh, was was advertised, and Mario was one of the a few uh, uh, European. Our coaches who applied for the post and uh, he came out successful after interviews and was given the post, pure as a TD. But now going into how we have performed uh, in the World Cup qualifiers, uh, I think we have not done well. Matches, we are facing top 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 sides and we knew that uh, there's going to be a tour order, but uh, the performance, uh, looking at the, some of the results, you look at how we lost against Cameroon, uh, 4-0. You lost against Cyprus 3-0 home matches, and uh, our performance was uh, not expected performance. And looking at, uh, at those trends, it was decided. And we're going to the bigger stage now. If we're performing in against uh, this uh, these giants like this, what is going to be like in Cameroon? So a decision was like, okay, let's analyze how our team has fared. And uh, technical deficiency was uh, was observed. And uh, that's why I say, okay, we already have got Mario here as uh, a technical director and he has already been working with the coaches going into the final two matches he worked with the coaches uh, going into the final matches against Cameroon in South Africa and Mozambique in Benin so he was like okay Mario now understands uh, how this team is playing he now can work closely with this uh, with his, uh, with his, uh, with uh, these coaches so just specifically for the Afcon, Mario comes in as head of technical and Mekemase Massey uh, remains as the first team coach of the team uh, and the background staff all of them have been maintained there have been a few additions uh, whereby uh, uh, there are two uh, 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 guys coming from Europe to beef up the technical panel, one as a, a data analyst and another one uh, as a uh, as a, uh, a physiotherapist. So that, that was the approach now that, OK, let's, we are going at a bigger stage, and we need to adapt how things are being done internationally. Football has evolved. It's now about analyzing data. It's now scientific. It's no longer about going on the field of play doing your normal training sessions. You have to go beyond that. And uh, uh, looking at uh, the kind of people we have in Malawi at the moment, we don't have qualified people to look at football from the data and scientific point of view. So this is why this decision was made. And uh, that's how we are going into AFCON with Mario as the head of technical.
0: Okay, excellent. That's that's really good. And and really good to hear that Malawi is seeing, kind of identifying the areas where we've been struggling and have sort of made those moves to kind of bring Malawi into the modern era of kind of analytics and things like that. That's, that's very encouraging going into the AFCON. Uh, Go, Malawi is obviously one of the smallest teams coming into this tournament, and for viewers of the Afcon, it'll be one of the most unknown teams, um, with using a lot of based players. A lot of their foreign best players are in South Africa, um, whereas you know most teams base their teams around players playing in in Europe. Um, our, we, you know, we had Richard Mbulu, who's obviously scored that that all-important goal to take uh, to take you guys to the Afcon, and in, in our last podcast. But w- would you mind just telling us, you know? Who are the players that that we, as the observers, who don't know much about Malawi, who should we be keeping an eye out for? Who are the dangerous players? Who are the the players who really, you know, have have brought Malawi to this point?
4: Yeah, uh, uh, you are right to mention about Bulu. He's one of our top strikers. Uh, he's, uh, he's he's one of the, the players to watch. Uh, but in general, just say that it's unfortunate that uh, we are going into Afcon with most of our top players not enjoying uh, 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 game time at their clubs. Um, Mbulu at Baroque FC. I think uh, he's on and off, unlike the time that uh, he scored that goal against Uganda. I think he was their main, their main striker. Uh, you talk about gabadinho Muhango, who is probably our best player. Uh, he plays for Rondo Pirates. He hasn't played a match since August uh, in the league. He just got a minute or so uh, uh, in their last match in the Cup Confederations Cup as a substitute. So uh, taking from that perspective, you can see that uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a bit of concern from our top players' perspective. Uh, we have captain René He plays for Mazulu as a center defender. He, too, has not been enjoying game time of late. Gerard uh, Piri has just moved from Baroque FC to Al-Hilal of Sudan. He's also one of the key players. Uh, we also have got uh, uh, another player playing uh, in Moldova, uh, Charles Petro. His team, Sheriff, uh, qualified for the Champions League. You know, mm-hmm. He was one of the consistent players when they were in the qualifying phase playing even in the last match that took them in the group stages and not registered for the group stages itself so you see we have, we have had a setback in as far as our foreign base players are concerned uh, uh, in as far as uh, uh, playing regularly for their for their clubs but nonetheless we believe that uh, they're still training at top level uh, because uh, those are professional teams and when they come back to join the team I think they'll take the spirit that they had when we played the previous matches and know how important AFCON is uh, it's important for the country, but again, it's important for them as players. This is the biggest uh, platform for them uh, to get expo- to expose themselves so that uh, they can get deals elsewhere because uh, most are, 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 not, are, not, are not doing well with their clubs. so this is the time for them to show that they still have what it takes. So from uh, to, 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 to summarize it, I'll say Gabadenio Mohango remains our, our our trump card. Uh, Richard Mbulu uh, on the sidelines. But again, we have got somebody who is emerging uh, and this is Kuda Muyawa. Kuda Muyawa, uh, so far, he's doing well uh, for his club. Uh, he's plays for Polokwane FC, the first division of, of South African uh, football hierarchy. And uh, he's the leading top goal scorer, in fact, for his club. And indeed, the league itself. He's at eight goals now in the in the, in the the Africa Championship in South Africa as the leading scorer and uh, he's the one who also scored our last goal in the afcon against against ivory coast in in, in, in in benin so you can see that uh, uh, he's, he's also there you see that okay raising up his hand and say, okay uh, if mbulu is not is not is not is not is not on top if gabarino is not on top on top of his game i am here i can also deliver so i will mention uh, those players as our top players we also have got this young man who I moved from Sheriff FC in Moldova. He came back to Africa. He's playing for Simba in Tanzania. That's Peter Banda. He's also an exciting player uh, uh, coming from the from the right hand. So we believe he was also one of the players to watch at the tournament. I believe when we played against um, Ivory Coast, he was the player that gave them half time. Uh, and uh, he was one of our outstanding players in the World Cup qualifiers. So those are the uh, five, six players I can mention that uh, Malawi is banking there, Hobson. And we believe that. Uh, they know how important this uh, a competition is, not just for the country, but for themselves, because this is the platform that they'll brush sodas with the best of the best. And uh, it's the world watching and who knows what might happen after a good show in Cameroon.
0: That concludes our Group B preview podcast with the Africa Cup of Nations. Stick with us as we bring you news and analysis of every single team in every single group of this brilliant tournament. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave us a review, OTW underscore podcast, and have a wonderful day.